0: We want to say Happy Mother's Day to all of you guys who are moms. Can we give our moms one more big hand? They deserve it. They kept you alive, kept your nose free of snot. They're good women. And we're so thankful that you chose Timber Creek Church here this morning to celebrate Mother's Day. I too am a mom and just wanted to show you real quick, maybe some of you guys don't know who my kiddos are who are newer here. I have two kids, Victoria's 12, and uh, going on 22, Carter's five, going on two. And this is a picture right here of my family. This is one of the moments you want everyone to see. So these are the moments we put on Instagram and Facebook and I would love to say this is every day at the Vander home, it's like a day in Disney World. However, there are other moments, can I get the slide? There are other moments where we're dedicating our son to the Lord right here on this stage, and Carter kept pulling Victoria's hair throughout the entire holy ceremony. And at one point, Victoria, right after this, I wish I had the picture, literally screams at him in the middle of the ceremony as he has her hair yanking on it in the middle of us dedicating him to the Lord. Good times. Well, we're right in the middle of this incredible series called Reply All, where we asked you— Oh, gosh, is my hair okay, ladies? I did I mess it up. Where we asked all of you guys, what did you want to hear from Timber Creek? What did you want to learn more uh, in this next new series? And in the top three, uh, one of the top three answers was stress. So we thought there was no better day to talk about stress than on Mother's Day, right? Motherhood is wonderful. Motherhood is so rewarding. But motherhood is so stressful, so stressful. Now, before all of you singles and all of you dads check out, I want you to know that today's message is, yes, number one for all of you moms in here. But I really believe that every single person in here who influences or speaks into the life of someone younger and to the next generation. We'll leave here today with some nuggets that you can take home and apply. Um, You know, the Bible is full of incredible stories about moms, but what I've learned over the years, that one of my favorite things that I've learned about being a mom is, is yes, motherhood is rewarding. Yes, it's full of cuddles and, and diapers in the night, but what I love the most about motherhood, and really what I think is most special about being a parent, is the mission, the mission of God that we are entrusted with as parents. This mission, this plan of God that comes bundled in these little packages. That we as parents are called by God to help make sure our children accomplish what God made them to do. And so with that pressure, I think sometimes heightens the stress, doesn't it, parents? We know that there's more to parenthood than just making dinner, more than reminding them to do their homework or counsel them to not date that person that you know is no good. There's way more to parenting. In fact, the Bible talks about lots of different moms in the Bible. And I kind of like the fact that God does this more with the men than the women. Can I say that, guys? Uh, But if you study the Bible and you look at all of the different moms that God speaks to before the child is even born it's pretty staggering. Women like Hagar and Sarah, Rebecca, Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist is told she and her husband in this story about what John the Baptist was gonna do when he was born, that he would prepare the way of the Lord. Jesus' own birth mother, Mary, is visited by an angel and God speaks to her and he speaks to Joseph too and he tells them this is what I've called this child to do. One of my greatest fears is that Christian parents would parent like parents in the world without the understanding and the conviction and the passion to raise their children on purpose, to raise them with purpose, to train them and equip them for what God's created them to do. So there are lots of really famous people in the Bible we could study today, but I picked someone who is not very famous, but her son is. I picked the woman named Jochebed. Anybody know who Jochebed is? Real quick, show of hands. Anyone know Jochebed? That's what I thought. Anybody in here know her son? Her son is Moses. Anyone know the, the, the man Moses in the Bible? See, behind, I believe this is so true, behind every great man or woman of God, there is an even greater mother of God. That there's a reason that Moses was prepared for his mission. Everyone listen. There's a reason he was so successful. And it all started in the heart and the mind and the prayer time of a little old woman named Jochebed. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you with a celebrating our moms. But God, some of us in here today, we really came needing to hear a word from you. And I just pray, Lord, that you would speak through this imperfect vessel, that you would speak forth your truth today in a way that changes all of us. Father, we give you this time, we look away from every distraction, and we want to hone in and lean into your word this morning. May we be changed because you've spoken in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Well, we pick up here in Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, where we read about this woman named Jochebed. What you need to understand before we get into the context of the scripture this morning is you need to understand if anyone understood stress, it's Jochebed. Jochebed is raising her children in a chaotic culture. Any of us identify with that? Chaos gone wild. In fact, she's raising her children under one of the most evil pharaohs of all time. And this pharaoh was so insecure and so threatened by the number of Israelites that he sends out a verdict and a new law. That all Hebrew or Israelite baby boys were to be drowned in the Nile River. And it's at this time Jochebed has Moses. And it's at this time we pick up in the scripture, Let's look in the scripture today. Exodus chapter 2 verses 1 through 10. It's a little long, but you need to pay very close attention to the details of the story because Jochebed's about to teach us some powerful parenting points. It says about this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby. And kept him hidden for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a basket made of papyrus reed and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. Now the baby's sisters then stood at a distance, watching to see what would happen to him. Pay attention. Here we go. Soon Pharaoh's daughter, Pharaoh's daughter, came down to bathe in the river and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess coincidence I think not she said should should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse this baby for you she asked absolutely yes go do that the princess replied so the girl went and called the baby's mother take this baby and nurse him for me the princess told the baby's mother I will pay you for your help So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy got older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses. For she explained, I lifted him out of the water. What an incredible story. But what a What a sad, stressful moment as a parent. I think sometimes one of the dangerous things we do as Christians when we read these stories is we think, that's just so, that's an awesome story. But yet it's a real mom like you and like me in a chaotic culture faced to make some really tough decisions as a parent. Anybody been like that in here? Faced with making tough decisions. I believe this. I believe if Jochebed could come down here today and sit down with me up here and have a cup of coffee and teach today with me, that would be super cool. may freak all of you guys out. I think that was really cool. But if she could, I bet money that she would say six things to you guys today. I believe she would make an investment in your motherhood that would change you forever. Did you hear me this morning? My prayer, the best gift we can give you guys today as moms is the equipping of the tools you need to raise the children God's given you. And I believe Jochebed would say several things to you. Can I share this with you this morning? I believe the first thing Jochebed would say to you as moms, and this one is probably one of the most important, so please lean in and listen closely. Singles out there, You're not exempt from this message. In fact, I challenge you to hold on to this. And when you become a mom or a dad, to pull this out and to read it and go, oh, that's what she meant that day. Because you're going to need every bit of this truth today. The first thing I believe Jochebed would say to you is to recognize the uniqueness of your children. Recognize. Do you know what the word recognize means? It means to perceive something that's already there. Did you hear me? The word recognize means you have this ability to see what maybe others already see. Jochebed says that she looks down at Moses and she recognized, she saw that he was what? A special baby. Now, how did she know this? I believe Jochebed had the eyes of God because she spent time looking into them daily. I believe Jochebed had a habit of spending time with God as a mom. And I believe if she were sitting here today and she were teaching to you, she'd say, Mom, there's no greater gift that you could give your kids than your own close walk with God. Did you hear me, moms? More than the bottles you're warming, more than the college you're trying to pay for, more than the grandchildren you're getting ready to help raise, I'm telling you the greatest thing as a parent you could ever give to your children, the greatest gift is for them to see you live a walk with God out in front of them. And so Jacob has this time with God, and so she could see what God saw. My question, moms and dads, is do you see what God sees when he looks at your children? Recognizing. The second word in this this point is uniqueness. Now, uniqueness has to do with this unique, special trait. And some of you have some special kids, don't you? (laughs) There's something unique ain't like no one else in that kid. And some of you don't even know what to do with it. Because it's so unique. That special trait put in there and that little package or that 25-year-old package is put in there by God. And what's so neat is Jochebed recognizes that not only does she see what God sees because she has time with God and can see it, but she also recognizes that there's something unique here going on. Now, this is important. This is super important because we have to be careful as parents not to accidentally think that there's something more important about one of our children or grandchildren than the other. I think some of the most powerful leaders are some of the most strong-willed children growing up. I was one of them, (laughs) and I can vouch for the fact. In fact, my brother just moved back from North Carolina, and we were reminiscing at dinner the other night about the time that my mom um, was trying to spank me, and she couldn't get me because I was running all around the house screaming and going wild and literally hid under the bench of the dining table trying to keep my mom from getting me. Talk about some uniqueness, strong-willed child. But you need to understand that that very thing that may frustrate you, that very trait that seems almost embarrassing at times in front of people, listen, listen, is probably their uniqueness that God's gonna use one day should you protect it and nurture it well and not break it. Now listen, when I had kids, when I first had my first kid, first kids are so easy, second kids, help me Lord, nobody could have prepared me for a second child. Oh my word. But with Victoria, I just remember having her and I really thought that surely they came out like this perfect finished beautiful valuable vase that you just sit on the shelf and you admire and you talk to everyone about how great it is and you put some good flowers in that thing. No. What God really de- what you don't know until you have a kid is what God really gives you is a big old lump of clay. It's a big old pile of dirt that is not molded, it's not shaped, it needs water, it needs pressure, it needs movement, it needs marred, it needs started over, it needs more pressure, it needs more water. And it's this process called parenting and it is exhausting, but it is necessary. You're called as a parent to do more than make sure they're clean and fed watered you're called to recognize and understand their uniqueness you're called by God to take the time to ask the father what he's destined them to do did you hear me parents you as a Christian parent now non-Christians in here I'm not talking to you right now those who say Jesus is Lord he needs to be the Lord of your parenting The Lord of how you raise them. Raising them just how mama raised you isn't always best. Raising them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord is. So that we can accomplish the second thing that I believe Jochebed would tell us today. And the second thing she would tell us, I really believe, is she would say, take the time to intentionally prepare them for their mission. Take the time to intentionally prepare them for their mission. What did Jochebed do to prepare Moses? She knew he was special. She knew she had to rescue him from Pharaoh. So she goes through an an extensive process to make this like waterproof basket from the army. Like it's crazy. Do you understand that tar has to be hot and melted before it could even be useful? This woman knows how to melt tar and pitch. And she lines this basket made of papyrus reeds so well that it not only floats, but it sustains life. What are you doing, parent and mom? Beyond survival mode, what we, so we can all get stuck in that. I'm the, the worst of sinners when it comes to that. But what are we doing to not just recognize that they're different, but begin partnering with God at preparing them for their unique mission? I have two kids, like I said, Victoria's 12, Carter's 5, and they couldn't be more different. And I knew this very well when Victoria was four years old. When she was four years old, we were leaving the church, as we (laughs) do all the time, and we were leaving the church, and she was in the back seat of my car at the time. It was night. I remember it vividly. And I'm exhausted, can't wait to get home, eat dinner, and put her to bed, and my little four-year-old says, Mommy, how many years do I need to go to school before I can get my doctorate? And I said. Victoria, how do you know what a doctorate is? Well, I want to be a doctor, Mommy, and so I, I heard I had to get my doctorate. How many, how many years do I? She's four years old. I'm not lying to you, not at all. I have a four. I, Carter just turned five. Carter didn't know what a doctorate was at age four, and he doesn't care at all about becoming a doctor. But Victoria begins to, as she's growing and is, turns five years old, she begins sharing with me some dreams she started having. And she was a doctor, and in her dreams, she's over in East Africa. And in her dreams, Mommy and Daddy were with her. And Alvin and I were going, we had no dreams about going to East Africa. (laughs) But in her dreams, she's building medical clinics. And I remember at five years old, she looked at me after hearing a story about how little children in East Africa were having to sleep up in trees. True story. um, To stay alive. Uh, from the wild animals because they didn't have enough orphanages to house all of the orphans. That she broke and she said, Mommy, I want those kids to have the same opportunities I have. And it became a dream in her heart. And I don't say that braggadociously. Like, well, I, don't under- I don't know where that comes from, but I do. It didn't come from me, it didn't come from Alvin, it came from God. I also noticed she played differently than other kids. Victoria liked to line up toys, and and then after they were perfectly organized, she loved them to stay that way. Carter, on the other hand, loves to go behind where she has lined everything up and absolutely destroy it. When Victoria played with Legos, she played with them. We would, you know, spend $100 million on a a house to build that took 42 weeks to to construct. Um, Victoria would put it up on her shelf, and she would look at it. And it brought her such pleasure just to appreciate the hard work. Carter, on the other hand, has just gotten into Legos, and I spent almost two hours, hour and a half, putting together a Lego Chewbacca. Yes, I am that mission mom. That was hard stuff. Talk about stress. The Legos today, like get rid of them. Don't get them into it. It's crazy. So we spent all of this time on this Chewbacca. And about a month and a half ago, I hear my 12-year-old saying, Mommy, Guess what Carter did? And that's never a good sign, because she's way too happy to tell me what he did, which means it's really bad. And sure enough, he had taken apart that, that Chewbacca. He demolished the Star Wars ship. He, he took apart Yoda's house. Do you understand how, how Pastor Alvin almost lost his salvation, putting together Yoda's house? You think I'm joking. You should have seen the man. <laughs> it's true and we said I literally I got down on my knees I said Carter why why would you I spent tons of money on these like we worked for hours daddy stayed up two different nights to put together that stupid little Yoda house why are you taking it apart And he said but mommy I just had to see how it was made Oh yeah, you say all oh, make me feel really bad right now. <laughs> the truth of the matter is, they are both so different, and I'm not telling you anything you don't already know as parents and brothers and grandparents. But here's what I want you to hone in on, just for a moment. I would do Carter, Alvin, and I would do Carter an injustice if we compared him to Victoria, and said because Sissy was doing this. Surely he needs to do this too. Or hold on, oh, I'm about to step on some toes. High heel women with open toes, watch out. How about when we try to bend and mold our children to be who we wish we had become? And your kid doesn't want to be a cheerleader, but bless God, you didn't make it. And she's agile and flipping all over the place. You weren't popular, but she's pretty and cute and small and can flip and doggone it. She's going to be a cheerleader. Oh, how, old Dad, you're not off the hook. He's athletic more than you were. He can catch the ball and run and not get tackled. And you see potential as he's playing with those neighborhood boys, and you're going to get him in every single blessed sport imaginable because he's going to get a scholarship, the one you almost missed out on. And if we're not careful, we can accidentally try to mold them to be copies or a full prototype of what we wished we had been. And then we miss it. Proverbs 22.6 says this. Train up a child. Oh, you know it. but I'm going to get you with it. Watch. Train up a child in the way they should go. Say should go. How do you know in the way they should go? You listen to what the Father tells you. You watch for their uniqueness because then, when you begin to get them excited about the way they should go, the scripture then says, Then when he's old, he won't depart from it because he's excited about who he's going to become. We're already asking Carter, we call him Ferdinand the Bull. He's Ferdinand the Bull. That little boy's built like Pastor Alvin, he's a tank. He's got an aim that is unprecedented for a kid. He can punch, and it actually hurts. Now, Victoria would never admit that, but it actually hurts. But he will stop the car and want to go pick flowers for his mom. We can't get down the road for my walk far enough before we have to keep stopping as he picks flowers. I squashed a bug the other day, and he almost cried. He can't stand it when Sissy gets in trouble, even for hitting him. He doesn't want Sissy to get in trouble. He's Ferdinand the bull. Now, Ferdinand also got in trouble at Sprockets the other day. You want to know what he got in trouble from? Oh, some of the teachers are in here. I know, I know. You got to love Ferdinand, teachers, okay? But Ferdinand, little Carter, is so protective of his friend that Tatum Cinnamon's had gotten up from his chair. Another little boy sat in it and wouldn't get up when Tatum came. Carter picked him up and shoved him down to the ground. And he was so proud of himself (laughs) because in his mind, he protected Tatum from this big, bad kid. And when I approached Carter, the teachers were concerned about his lack of remorse. (laughs) He gets that from his dad. But (laughs) the teachers looked at me and I kneeled down. I said, Carter, like you can't, why would you do that to a little boy? And he said, mommy, He was being mean to my friend. And death's not okay, mama. And he was so convinced that he did the right thing that I just said, okay, whatever, you're right. Just Next time don't push him so hard. (laughs) But we're recognizing their uniqueness and we're beginning to encourage them along the paths of the clues they're giving us. Did you hear me? What clues are your kids giving you? about who they're created to become. What, come on, look, look at you. All of you moms, All you should see what I see. All the moms are going, right now. Because what you thought was a mess is really your mission. What you thought was absolute chaos is really what you're called to construct. I believe if Jochebed were here today, she would say, take the time to intentionally prepare your children for their mission. Number three. I believe if Jochebed were here, she'd also say this. I believe she would give us strong advice to properly provide what they need to be safe. Properly provide your kids what they need to be safe. We live in a day that is not so safe. Do we not? little Carter had Alvin's iPhone the other day, and he was playing like a little preschool Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game. And he had come up to me later and he had talked to me about something that was really, really uh, not good picture that had popped up on it. It was an ad that popped up when he was playing on the phone because he was connected to the Internet while he's playing the game. And, you know, we have such great people in society these days that while children are playing innocent preschool games, they want to advertise things that are very inappropriate. Our kids are not safe. This world is not safe. And yes, God protects, but he has entrusted them into your care. So we have a rule that Carter's not supposed to play on our phones if, until, until Wi-Fi's turned off. We have, we have a smart TV. Do you know, I'm about to make some kids really mad right now. I'm sorry, teenagers, I'm sorry. Kids don't really know what I'm talking about. Did you know on your smart TV and on your satellite, you can set with a code a level of certain shows that just won't come on if they select them? And they won't show up if they try. For your teenagers who, who maybe are almost college age still at home or college is still, still at home. And maybe they're not serving the Lord. Do You know, you can get it to where your TV won't let them watch shows after a certain time at night. <gasps> Isn't that awesome? But it's whose job is it to protect them like that? You think they're going to come and say, Mommy, <laughs> I heard of this great new thing called screen time. <laughs> and it only lets me stay on the phone as long as you will allow me. Right, Victoria? Yes. She's rolling her eyes at me right now. But you know what? I'm not called to be her friend. I'm called to be her parent. And pa- good parents take the time to set boundaries for their kids and protect them. Well, Pastor Alvin, I mean, Pastor Tally, that seems so intrusive. Doesn't that invade their privacy? Absolutely invades their privacy. Get good at invading their privacy. Because as long as they're under your roof using the phone you pay for, guess who's it really belongs to? Me, not her. And I'll tell you what, we stand before God one day with how we managed and steward not just our finances, but our parenthood. So let's be good stewards and provide what they need to be safe. Number four. I believe if Jochebed were here, she'd plea with you on this one. And it's pray in a way that paves their way. Pray the kind of prayers that literally pave the way ahead of them. How many grandparents do I have in this room? Can you raise your hand right now real quick? If you're a grandparent, aunt and uncle, aunt and uncle, come on. Do you know how bad your kids need you to be praying over those grandkids, over those nieces and those nephews? Do you know what prayer does? Come on, listen to me. This is so powerful. Prayer acts like a steamroller. You know what a steamroller is? Uh, the Texas Department of Transportation, who I'm choosing to love right now, has had a project on 59 that I thought would take four weeks. has taken about 10 months, and it's still not done. Bless God, and yes, bless the Lord. But there's this process, if you watch them, after they stripped down the road, and we drove on it Bumpy for three months, they began to pour the gravel. And behind the truck that poured the hot, hot, black, tarish gravel was this steamroller, this massive kind of compact truck with this giant roller and it it was so heavy and it was so persistent and it was so on point that it followed behind the truck paving the gravel down to where it was smooth for the drivers. Your prayers have the potential to pave what is bumpy ahead of them into smooth road. And just because they seem to be bent a certain way doesn't mean that that is their moral character bent. It doesn't mean your prayers can't begin to turn that thing around. Do you understand? You're called to pray prayers that pave. I want you to think of this past week, and this is not an indictment. This is a challenge. How many moments have you spent in passionate prayer over your middle school child? over your high school child, your college child, your preschool child? Have you prayed more than God please bless Susie's day? Do you wanna know what my little girl's encountering right now? You wouldn't believe the things that she's already had to witness and see and has been offered to her and approached to her and told in front of her and said in front of her, done to her? Sixth grade. But what I do is I go in my prayer closet and I begin to pray over her. I begin to pray over the things I see in Carter that concern me, and there are several. And I begin, instead of worrying, everyone listen to me at the sound of my voice, even if you're not a parent, listen. Instead of worrying about it, I plead with you like Jacobed would to pray in a way that changes what worries you. Pray against the things that you're afraid of. Pray against those character flaws. Pray protection over their innocence. Pray protection over the words of their mouth. Pray protection over their friendships. Oh, come on, parents. You're not, you can pray over the relationships. I go on a fast and a prayer time of about a month every school year before school starts, every summer, excuse me, before school starts, Now, I'm not saying that say look at me. I'm saying I know the kind of literal hellacious place she's going into. And I'm fasting and I'm praying for God to give her the right teachers, for God to give her the right friends, and for God to keep the boys away that aren't good. Amen? I'm praying. Pastor Alvin and I, we pray over our children. But we pray in a way that paves their way. Number five. I believe if Jochebed were here this morning, and I love this one, but this one is so hard for me. Maybe it's hard for you too. Maybe some of you have 30-year-old children, and this one's still hard. But I believe she'd say, that there comes a point you have to let them go in the water. I've, I looked up pictures of Jacobed before I did the sermon, and every picture had her so beautifully dressed, The baby was smiling. The water was nice, pretty blue. And she's got the most angelic look on her face as she's putting the baby in this basket. Can I tell you something, Timber Creek? That's probably not an accurate picture of the moment. She's taking her own baby and she's putting him in a basket that she made, homemade, like Pinterested it, you know? It may or may not work. But I don't think the hardest part was making the basket. I I don't even think the hardest part is when she she kept her kids safe by putting the basket by the reeds along the riverbank. I don't even think the hardest thing was making sure that Moses was placed in front of Pharaoh's daughter. How ironic. She did so many things right. But there came a moment when she had to let go of the basket. There came a moment when she had to trust the water. But more importantly, number six, Jacobet had not learned to trust God with Moses' journey. Did you hear me? Do you trust him? Do you trust him with your kid's journey? I know right now they're a hot mess. I know right now things may feel totally out of control. Older parents, I'd be ignorant and foolish if I thought right now there weren't kids who are 50 and 40 years old and older who are not serving Jesus and you're praying for him. Can I encourage you today? Can I encourage you to truly let go of the basket? Like really, like let go. Because here's what's neat. As Jochebed lets go of the basket, it begins to float along the riverbanks of the Nile, just as she had hoped. And what was waiting in the water was the key to Moses' destiny. It was Pharaoh's daughter. And she would later take him in into the palace where Moses would begin being taught and trained to one day be the leader of a nation. You can trust, maybe not the water at all times, but you can trust the God who created the water. Did you hear me? God is good. Jeremiah 29 11 says that God has good plans, not just for you as an adult. He has good plans for your little girls that are adorable. He's got good plans for your kids. But you've got to take the time and spend time with God to recognize what God sees and see what God sees. Please hear me today, Timber Creek. Please see that God's created each one of our children and each one of you uniquely. Not one of us are the same. But God also wants you to partner with Him in the preparation stages to get them ready for their mission. Don't miss it, Mom. Don't be so busy at work that you come home so exhausted that you miss the moments that were made for molding. God wants us to pray, praying in a way that paves the way, that if we don't let go of the basket, they'll never reach their mission. They'll never get to where God meant them to be. You know, as Pastor Alvin and I think still today about Victoria and about Carter, you know, I thought seriously, maybe one day we'd have a kid that felt called to ministry, but We don't really care about that. We just want them to to do what God created them to do. And I'd be lying to you if there weren't times that I've looked in Alvin's eyes and looked in my own. When we think about Victoria doing something like what she wants to do and it doesn't terrify us. She had one grandparent all but to try to talk her out of it because it's risky, isn't it? It's probably not the place I would have picked or the occupation I would have chosen. But I cannot ignore... The work of God that I see happening in her and we would fail as parents if we don't encourage her and train her in the way she should go and I understand maybe little Ferdinand one day may want to try to protect the innocent and be a policeman like he says like you Jeremy and the thought of that as a mom terrifies me I don't know what they're gonna become but I see clues. And even if they scare me, I have to choose to trust the God who's been so faithful to me. And Pastor Alvin's got to trust the God that's been so faithful to him. And we've got to let go of the basket. I got to let them do what God's created them to do and guide them along the way and pray they reach and accomplish their mission successfully. Let's pray. Great Heavenly Father, Father, I say that purposefully because you are great. But you're also our father. Lord, you said in your word you're a perfect father. And God, none of us in here are perfect parents. So God, right now, if there's any of us in here right now as we're, we're learning and, and, and growing as parents and we feel maybe a little bad that may our kids are already 18 or 28 and they're not, oh, I wish I would have heard this when they were eight. God, I pray against regrets. I pray against shame and a feeling of failure. And instead, I pray every man and woman at the sound of my voice, every parent and grandparent would feel challenged today to start fresh and new, to begin praying in a way that paves their way, to begin encouraging them in the way they should go, to begin truthfully preparing them for their mission. And God, I pray more than anything, we would trust you with the water. Father, we give you our children. Can you just do that right now in your own way? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just, symbolically, if you could just put your palms up, like we're so used to doing here at Timber Creek. Can you put your palms up right now and symbolically say to God, I trust you. I choose to trust you with my kids. Now just picture those cute faces right now. Just picture that man and that woman. Picture your children right now. I'm picturing mine. Yep. Now I just want to lift them up to you, Lord. We lift them up to you, and we let go of the basket right now as a a church family. And, Lord, may you help us to see what you see, and may they arrive safely to reach and accomplish their God-given mission. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, and everyone together said, amen, amen, God bless you.